I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Welcome to Bellwether. Thank you for joining today. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been talking about all kinds of things for planning your, your year and getting things done and really focused on accomplishment and asking for help and doing all this good stuff. And as has been requested by a number of my listeners, they really wanted to focus on or wanted me to focus on some of those things in the workplace that just kind of get on your nerves. And so I, the next few podcasts throughout this month of February, it's being recorded in February, throughout this month is really, I'm just going to call it the work series. And the work series are just some of those topics that everybody wants me to cover uh, and they've been requesting that I cover. Uh, and maybe, just maybe it's so that they can subtly link, you know, share the link with their bosses. I don't know. Uh, but I said I would tackle today's topic is the one that I've been getting a lot uh, of requests on is micromanagement. And I like threads, I like stories, I like finding stories. And so this could be considered a continuation of the past few podcasts uh, where we chatted about helping others and how to ask for help and, and all that good stuff. Micromanagement falls into that bucket. And I will do my best to not drop an F-bomb in this podcast because as I reflected on my time in corporate uh, and the micromanagers I used to deal with, uh, my emotional state just may take it over. I dropped so many F-bombs when I was recounting some of these stories. Uh, so I understand your pain, right? So th this may turn into you know like a Scorsese podcast, uh, but I will do my best to keep it professional. Uh, and I will note that my two-year-old daughter just dropped her first F-bomb the other day, and my wife blames me, and it could be because I was working on on this podcast. Um, so let's <laughs> I'll do my best. Let's talk about micromanagement. Today we're going to talk about uh, why we hate micromanagement. Uh, we'll break it down. We'll recognize it for what it is. And then I want to flip it over, and I'm going to look at the other end on how it actually may be helpful. And uh, then we'll cover, of course, some some strategies on on dealing with it. But for those who listen to people, for those who are listening and who manage people, uh, I want you to take this opportunity. You know, we always talk about the other people. We always talk about um, this person's micromanaging me and all this other stuff. But if you manage people, I'm really talking to you. This is a roundabout way to talk to you. So as you're sitting in a senior leadership position. And we think about all the things that you do. Let's talk about your management style and let's reflect on your management style and how you're interacting with your people because uh, micromanagement, it, it affects everyone and it actually is, is counterproductive when we think it's actually very productive. But let's talk about it. Here's what's, what's interesting about micromanagement and why micromanagement is different than a lot of other things at the office is that it covers two very different things. It covers process which is your processes and procedures and the way things are done, and it covers your emotion. And micromanagement and being micromanaged is a process thing. Yet, we have an emotional response to it. And that's because when we're on the receiving end of micromanagement, it feels very belittling. We feel undermined. It decreases our motivation, our satisfaction at work, and, and, and creates self-doubt. 
in, in some cases, um, it makes people question their capabilities in the office and what they're actually capable of. So there are a lot of emotional responses to micromanagement. And in essence, you know, if we want to keep the simplistic view, your boss is really just trying to help you. And if you think about my, uh, my comments last time on how to help someone, uh, that's their problem, not yours. But anyway, um, I'll put it this way. The whole time you are micromanaging someone, and telling someone, oh, maybe we should do this. And have you thought about this? And that Excel thing is wrong and whatever. They're either th- they're thinking one of two things. One is, you hired me. Why did you hire me? Uh, why did you bring my expertise if I can't use it? All of that good stuff. That's going through the head on a, on a little bit of loop. The other thing they're thinking of, if it's not that, is F you, F you, F you, F you, get away from me, F you, F you. And neither of which are productive, by the way. Neither of those is, is a very productive way to, to accomplish something. The research on micromanagement is out there, uh, but it's not really that, that uh, tangible. The real results, I would say, uh, of the research are fairly scattered at best. And that's because it's a micro, uh, macro study on a micro situation. And everybody's situation is different. And when we're researching a subjective thing based on a micro situation, it's very difficult to, to do that. And the subjective thing, of course, is a person's emotions. So research, research shows, as we ask people and what they report is, you know, they feel disrespected. Uh, it doesn't allow someone to do things their way, but measuring it, you know, in a real tangible results way is, is a challenge. Uh, we know our feelings get jacked uh, when we're micromanaged, but let's recognize it. Uh, for what it is and and break it down for what it is because that's that's you know the the benefit of having a podcast I could talk about whatever the hell I want and let's talk about what actually it means when you're micromanaged there are plenty of reasons why a person micromanages and now I'm putting in the seat of you know as I look across from say my boss or whoever it is um, I don't have a boss anymore unless you count my wife but you know as I think back to corporate and I look at a, a boss who micromanages, when we talk about the macro of micromanagement, we all have a micro situation that we apply it to. And so when I talk about why people micromanage, some of them may be relevant and some of them may not. And that's, you know, you're going to have to do some work here to kind of say what applies to me and what doesn't. Because when I talk about, in theory, all of these things are reasons people are micromanagers, uh, it may not specifically apply to your situation. Okay, it's got to be up to you to ask the questions, not make the assumptions, and and figure out how all of this applies to you in your your particular situation. But I think of four kind of buckets uh, as to why people will tend to micromanage, and one uh, is neuroticism and uh, insecurity on behalf of the manager. Uh, two, uh, the idea that we're promoting high performers and they may not be the right person to be promoted. Uh, three is the structure of the brain and the way that we like to think about things, really the fundamentals of communication. And then four is, you know, they feel threatened in some Machiavellian sort of way, uh, which is what everyone thinks, you know, and they're just so threatened by me. I'm so amazing at what I do. They think I'm trying to take their job. Um, and that's what <laughs> I hear that all the time. Um, but those are kind of the four buckets. And so I'm going to cover each of those. But what I want you to note as I talk about all of those except for maybe the last one, uh, none of those have anything to do with you. And that's important to remember. They're not a negative reflection on you. It's not that your work isn't good enough. It's not that, you know, you're, you know if your work isn't good enough, you're going to hear about it in a review. And that, that's a problem that you could solve. 
Okay. You could say, all right, I got to work on my work and that that's great. Uh, but insecurity, uh, different types of personality, things that they're bringing to the table, all of these are just circumstances for you to deal with. And that's a nice differentiation to make. Micromanagement in general is simply a circumstance that you have to deal with. It's not a problem that you can solve. And making that differentiation is very important at the very beginning. Okay, so let's talk about these four things on why people why people micromanage. First, neuroticism. Uh, we don't know what situation and what your boss is dealing with. We like to think so, but we don't. Okay, we're looking at things through our little nice little lens, our little filter, and everything else. They may be under immense pressure to deliver on something, and when they're under immense pressure to to deliver and immense pressure to be successful and impress the higher-ups, one of the only ways that people really know how to do that is by trying to control everything, okay? It's a stress response. It's literally a stress response that they say, I have to do everything, and I put my blinders on, and let me get this done. And it could be simply because they're just under an immense amount of pressure. It's not their fault, okay? Also, especially if they're new managers, there may be a, a desire to prove themselves, which is added stress, and it may just take them time to grow into their role where they, they just don't know what they're doing. Um, in a, in a, in, you know, it's not that bad, right? It's not that they don't know what they're doing. They just got promoted. Hopefully they do know what they're doing. But they're growing into their role is probably the nicer way to say it. They have to get their footing. Uh, they're going to get their experience. Eventually they're going to calm down. And recognizing that is going to be helpful as you're dealing with your micromanagement. So think about what the position of your your micromanager is in, which may lead to understanding later on why we have this particular type of micromanagement. The second macro kind of theory that's going on uh, with micromanagement is that we tend to promote the wrong people. And when we promote the wrong people, we, we like to promote the high performers. And there's a lot of research on this, and the research is everywhere. Um, on, on are we promoting the right people? Are we doing the right type of work uh, and getting the right type of people to the right place? Um, especially in sales organizations, tend, we tend to promote the people who have the most sales, but you know what? They're not necessarily the best leaders and managers of people. Uh, just being a high performer doesn't mean that you are a good manager. And so for many high performers, they have difficulty giving up control. Or they know uh, what worked really well for them, uh, and they want to instill that in you. Uh, as we evolve in leadership, and we move from you know I'm a, I'm a me person, right? I'm a soul soul contributor. Then when we get promoted, we have to move our mindset into a team group kind of mindset, and then we have to get into uh, eventually as you move up into the the MD and C suite range, you have to go enterprise. And you're an enterprise performer. And most people don't understand that evolution of leadership. And they don't have anyone who can teach them that evolution of leadership. I mean, they could always hire me, but that's, you know, that's what I'm here for. Uh, but there are different, you know, you have to evolve as a manager. Most people aren't taught that. And, and many times what they're taught is they go through these trainings. This is how to be a good leader. This is how you do it. Um, you know, make sure you ask everyone how their day is and here's how to do this and make sure you do your smart goals, blah, 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 blah. Just telling someone how to be a leader is going to make them a leader. We have to, there's a very nuanced and direct way to make them understand how it per, per, uh, pertains to them. And so that's, that's important to recognize. So your, your boss 
your micromanager may just be super good. And so recognize that if that's the situation, if they're really good at what they do, maybe flip it around and say, what can I learn from these people? And how do I make it my own? And that's another way to possibly think about it. Third reason uh, people may be micromanaging is actually not micromanaging. It's just a misunderstanding. And I'm going to talk about brain structure. Okay, it's a left brain, right brain type of deal, and this is legitimate. It's not that um, it's not that you know hokey pokey science type of thing. Uh, we know from brain research, and I'll tip my hat to the needling brain instrument, uh, which I went and got certified in uh, a couple of years ago, actually. Um, the brain is categorized into four different categories, and it's a personality assessment that basically tells you how you like to think, um, and how you know what the first question is, and the way that you prefer to think about things. And I have my opinions on personality assessments, of course, just like everybody else and uh, everything from Myers-Briggs right down to DISC and all these others. But I won't get into that. But what I will go to get into is that the benefit of a personality assessment that I find is that it gets people to talk and it gives a foundation for a conversation. And when we understand the brain and how you've got your left side, your right side, your top, your bottom, all these different types of the brain, uh, everybody has a preference on the way they like to think about things. And some people are people people, okay? Their first question is revolving around interpersonal relationships. Who's going to be affected? Uh, Who is involved? Uh, Do we have consensus, right? And there are some people who are just people people, and that's great. Other people are not people people. Other people may be process people. And when we talk about process versus emotion and process versus people, It may simply come down to something where we just have very different priorities on the way that we like to think about things. So as you think about your boss and what they're doing and talking about just process and the way that this process is working, uh, it's something to think about is saying, you know, do you, are you focused on people? And I know, I mean, when I, it was enlightening to me because I'm very much a procedure person. I like procedure and process and everything. I've got some people stuff in there too, but I like to know how things are, are getting done. When someone comes up to me and says, oh, can we just try this a different way? Or can we do something different? And I, I roll my eyes. I could feel my skin crawling already when those people come around me. I say, no, I've got a deadline and this is what we're doing. And this is, we know this works and we're going to stick to it. And this is a good routine. Uh, when this is over, we can answer your stupid questions about other ways to do it, but right now we have to get things done. And so I know when I was in corporate, I didn't respond well to those people. And I would have felt like they were micromanaging, even though it was the opposite uh, of what it was. We're just asking a question. Uh, so we have different thoughts where some people are just focused maybe on budget and say, all right, we got to save a million dollars. Let's riff 50 people and we got to do whatever. Uh, Another person say, no, we can't just riff people. There's got to be other ways to do it. And so these two people will clash all of the time. And it's completely demoralizing to have a manager who thinks in a different way and for the two people to not understand that. And so when we think we're, we're able to recognize that and recognize that our manager, our micromanager, may just be thinking about things in a different way, Well, that's not really micromanaging. It could just be another way to prefer to think and what we need to do. It changes everything. Now we just have to change uh, the way that we communicate. How are we articulating the way that we like to think about things and receive and give information? And how are we understanding how he or she would like to receive and give information? Just because they think differently doesn't mean that they're wrong. But we feel that way because it drives us nuts. It's not the way that we think about things. 
So that's number uh, three, you know, brain structure. Number four, and this is what everyone thinks, Machiavelli, uh, you know, I'm so fantastic uh, that they think I'm just coming for their job. Um, and, And while that may be so, you may just be so fantastic and so wonderful. Uh, I will let you know Machiavelli would not have gotten caught by that. He would have been smarter at that. Uh, so if you read the 48 Laws of Power, feel free to go do that. Uh, Robert Greene, I think, wrote it. Um, there are ways to manage that as well if you're so fantastic. Um, how to not let your manager realize that until you jump in and just take it away. Uh, and that's a, a smarter way to do it. So if that is the case, that you're so fantastic and they're threatened by you, uh, maybe we need to focus on how you can make them look really good so you can gain their trust and they can let their guard down and then you can just strike them down when you have to do that. I don't recommend that. Anyway, so those are four Those are four theories. Um, before I get into some strategies on how to deal with it, I want to talk quickly about... Um, the contra idea, the contra argument, the opposite uh, to that. And I always say that you can't really believe something like micromanagement is bad unless you fully understand the other side. Uh, and so now I had a question, you know, I'm asking myself the question, can micromanagement be good? And some research shows that it can be good. And some say the structure of processes, procedures, systems, everything, and it could be beneficial. And in some industries and, and, and organizations, it's necessary, depending on the situation. And so I want I would encourage everyone to take a step back and look at that, too, is uh, when you look at the type of industry you're in, high-performing cultures, uh, micromanagement can take different forms. And it's not just standing over an Excel spreadsheet or telling you to rewrite this email 40 times. It's taking a, let's take a philosophical look at micromanagement and how it can provide some value. Okay. As a manager, as a leader, managing for emotions while managing uh, for process is possible. It's a highly productive way to, to get things done, depending on who's on your team. And it could be, you know, could is the operative word here. And that's going to depend on many, many factors. I mean, it's a, let's take a look at your culture and, and a cultural awareness and uh, the organizational culture and an emotional awareness and your EQ and the, the ability to allow for some autonomy elsewhere. But it could potentially work. And so there is a counter idea to the fact that in some instances, micromanagement could be necessary. And so I would encourage everyone to think about, is it necessary for you? And something, something to think about there. So let's talk about some strategies to deal because this is all going to be about you. And as a coach, I can't tell you what to do to just silver bullet uh, fix your manager, uh, which is probably not the right way to say it. Silver bullet fix your manager is uh, a little violent for the workplace. But you understand, if you understand silver bullets, you know what I mean. Uh, There are no real fast, easy, broad-based ways to fix a micromanager legally. Uh, I should add as well. Uh, So first and foremost, I'm going to put a few steps in and a few questions. I'm going to present you with some questions to think about and ask yourself, and then you can come up with a plan of action beyond that. And that's, that's, you know, that's what we're going to do today, whether you like it or not. Uh, First and foremost, recognize it and accept it. You're not going to change it. If you have a micromanager, you're not generally not going to change it. In order to manage something, And in order to respond to it, you have to accept that it's going to be there. Waiting for it to go away, resenting it, waiting for it to change, all that, it's just not going to happen. Okay? So first, we have to accept it, recognize it, and then we're going to move forward. Second, we have to observe. 
And, and what I want you to do here is take a look around and try and piece together the causes of this micromanagement. Take a look at your boss. Be curious, ask questions. Take a look at the other people that this boss is, is working with and see if they're being micromanaged. Maybe they're not and you are. Is there something that makes you different from them? Look around and, and see what other people are doing to deal with this micromanager. And you can learn from your coworkers and learn other strategies and see what people are doing just so you can see what's going on. And once you observe, then you could start to piece together an action. And maybe it's, you know, ask yourself these questions. Is, it about, is this about the desire to make your, your boss look better and be better at their job? Um, do you want to then maybe make them over micromanage so that they can then do your job? Is there uh, a way to make them feel really good when they ask you a question so that they stop doing it? Um, and there's always, if you want to be, you know, I don't know, an adult, you can discuss it with them. But after you've observed and you put together a smart kind of discussion point on it, it's the adult way to deal with it. You need to create that platform of helping. Think about it in a way of you're helping your boss to better manage you. Your boss has to understand what you need in order to manage you. So we need to create that platform of helping, create level footing, and articulate how it is that you like to work and how, it, how it's impacting your ability to get things done and how to proceed moving forward in a mutually beneficial and productive way. That's the way to properly deal with a micromanager and say, you know, do it in a non-defensive way, purely curious, and have that discussion with, with your micromanager. Remember, this is a relationship that can potentially benefit you later. The number one way you're going to get promoted in your in your organization is if your boss pushes you forward. It's number one. And so we need to start, you know, remember remember the big term and the, the big time and the big game and the, and the long-term kind of relationship and focus on using this person to help you later. That should be the, the grounding of your conversation on, look, this isn't working for me in the way that you're managing me. And uh, you can bring your emotions into it. And, you know, there are plenty of strategies on how to have that, that conversation. So with that... I hope I answered some of your micromanagement questions or at least got you thinking differently about it. It's not always, you know, this person did this and this person did that uh, and this is what you're doing to me. Take the time to understand where this person's coming from. And it may just may save your relationship with your boss. And by understanding it and responding, responding differently, it will fundamentally change the way that, that you're, you're working going forward. So with that, have a very productive week. I look forward to continuing the work series next week. And uh, with that, I look forward to seeing you out there. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Thank you.